the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's all I want. She's blonde, five foot two. It's all I need, yeah. And 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is my America. This is Justin Hart in for Andrea K. Here in America. Okay. I love that. That's pretty good. I got to get that whoop on my uh, my cell phone for a ringtone. I don't know who I put it to you. I'll put it to you, Noah. That'll be your ringtone whenever you call me. All right. I want to bring on to the show now a, a good friend of the show. Obviously, you hear him here if you listen to Andrea. Dave Elha, FinancialThoughtDoctor.com. Dave, are you with us? Yep, I'm with you, Justin. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Where do you find yourself today? I find myself in Surprise, Arizona. Oh my goodness! And uh, you know how is it out there? Uh, is it's, is it as dry as and overcast as it is here in San Diego, or no? No, it is less than a hundred, so we're only in double digits, which is good news. And it's dry. <laughs> yes, correct. It is the Arizona heat. It okay, well, it's Florida. it's the Arizona heat, and here we are in May. Gray, overcast, everything, and what's more, overcast is the economy right now. Uh, today, the Dow was down some more. Uh, obviously, everyone's kind of waiting on the next shoe to drop for the debt plans that hopefully Biden McCarthy will work out. Uh, but let me get your take on this. Uh, everyone is expecting at least a downturn here, but some people are predicting something more. Where do you fall on the equation? I, I'm never to the extreme on either side. So it's going to be a recession. It, how deep it's going to be, I have no idea. The deeper, the shorter. The uh, less deep it is, the longer. So that's kind of what I think is going to happen. If it ends up being deep, I look for it to be a fairly short recession. But if it ends up being uh, one of these, are we in a recession? No, we aren't. And they're arguing about that. Well, we've been in a recession. The economy has been slowing down. And it's just not sustainable the way things are going. And with this dysfunctional government that we've got running in Washington, it's, it doesn't make anything better. Now, I have my uh, I have my Apple Watch, and I went on one of these diets a few months ago. It was called the Whole30. And uh, it, at the end of the diet, 30 days, which is like, you know, basically no no joy, no milk, no sugar, no flour. I mean, it was awful. But I did. I lost a lot of weight. 
and it, it basically it took my heart rate down and it told me it gave me an alert at the end it said congratulations your heart rate your average heart rate has gone down by 10 bpms or whatever it was I'm like oh, that's fantastic that's fantastic now if i were to strap an uh, an apple watch to the economy and woke up in the morning and said how do i read this am i healthy or is my blood pressure going to have me in the er in the next hour what would you look at there what's what's on my apple watch if i'm the economy uh, for today you're probably at uh, 120 over 80 with <laughs> meds <laughs> oh no oh, sign strap me in i'm gonna need an iv well what if seriously though if, off, yeah go ahead if you get off your meds you're in trouble buddy I, yeah, if I'm looking over my dashboard of the car, what, what do you what do you look at? I mean, do we? It seems like the Fed is constantly chasing this crazy inflation rabbit, right? And they don't. Yeah. It seems like they don't realize that you know the inflation is not necessarily uh, you know that that's what we see immediately. But in the end, when we're in this sort of deflationary state, a lot of it has to do with our terrible, terrible monetary base. And a couple other elements. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts on this is this uh, uh, inflation was engineered, Justin. It was engineered by the Biden administration. They put too much money into the system, uh, especially during COVID and stuff like that, and it's going to take a while to flush it out. And the problem is, is the M2 money supply. And the problem is spending, Justin. It isn't interest rates. The interest rates may have a small effect upon bringing inflation in control, but that's not going to be what it's going to cost. The, the other issue is, is that this administration hasn't focused on uh, the supply-demand. If supply goes down, demand goes up, so do prices. So they focused on the wrong things at the wrong time, when Biden came in and did everything opposite of what the economy was cooking along pretty well, yeah, COVID hit, which now I believe most people understand was not that big a deal. We should have never shut down the economy. We should have never uh, done all the stuff we did during COVID. And that's going to take a while to flush all that empty money supply out and that's what's going to cause inflation is when people are running out of that stimulus package that they receive and they don't have money to go out and buy things. And it's, it's a travesty because it was all engineered. It was all engineered. You think this was purposeful or that they, they really kind of wanted to clamp things down? Yes, I do. They, I, I well, you know, look at the agenda of the left. The agenda, and they got the perfect clown that's in presidential to carry out their agenda. They want to change the way the United States functions in the future. They want to be in green energy, which does not work. It is not cost efficient. They want everything to be electric. They want everything to be wind power, everything to be solar. And it hasn't worked, and it isn't destined to work for quite some time, Justin. The technology is not there. We have the cheapest form of energy in the ground right now. And the other thing is, is that if they were really concerned 
about having energy at a low cost. They would be talking about developing nuclear plants. And it's been proven time and time again, it's the cleanest energy out there. And they continually put regulations in that purposely cause inflation. A crazy and, scene. And I remember I had a good friend in Orange County who used to brag about his nuclear-powered lawnmower. I said, what are you talking about? He says, I get the nuclear power from, from, the, from the nuclear power plant. Now he can't brag about that because our local plant here just north of us is now defunct, right? Yeah. Yep. And then on exactly. top of that, you know, the, the, the powers that be have deemed it upon themselves to push so much solar. But I'm telling you, as Noah uh, alludes here, we haven't had a... We haven't had three days of sun put together since October here. What a crazy <laughs> scene. We need more of your sun that way. Well, what else would you have for our guests? If if people had to be really concerned, what are the steps that they should take uh, to kind of be apprised in all things financial? Well, here's here's the whole thing. they got to stop, and they got to look at what they see, because what they see is what the world wants them to see. comes They're down to the velocity of money, doesn't it, Dave? Yes. And what happens is what happens with these people is they're following the formula that financial advisors, institutions, banks have been pushing for the last hundred years. And that is the, the formula is flawed, Justin. The formula is this: you put money, the dollar to work over time at a rate of return and you have accumulation. Every financial advisor out there does that. They don't take into account taxes, inflation, risk, regulation, and all these other factors that are going to have an effect on that because the formula squad, number one, the money. The money depreciates and, and inflates, and we have no idea what it's going to do in the future. Number two, the interest rates. You have no guarantees what the interest rates are going to be. You have average rate of returns. They are not actual rate of returns. You have markets that go up and go down. And the only factor in there that is true is time. But when you wasted time, you're out of it. Mm. <laughs> and so what do you do? That accumulation factor that most people have, they look at their retirement plans. If I continue doing what I'm doing, I'm going to have a million dollars. Well, a million dollars in 30 years is going to buy you about $400,000 worth of mm. buying power. Buying power is what you need to have, and that requires strategies. It doesn't require a financial product. It doesn't require winning the lottery. It requires going in and knowing and looking and taking into account all these eroding factors now. And how do you do that? You've got to live on 85% of your income, number mm. one. And, and that's what I teach people how to do. I think that's a great plan. I'm going to take this back to my wife as well. We've got eight kids, and so uh, uh, living on yeah. that 85% is no mean feat. But no. uh, yeah, that's right. Well, I, I always encourage people to have more kids, but my goodness, in this environment, it's a little crazy scene. I can't fault anyone. Uh, what What's your outlook for San Diego? Do you feel pretty good about this place? Well, I you take a look at the, I mean, I don't know if you read the sports page, Nick Canepa. Yes. And you, he says to me, Colin, and the Ham and Eggers, they chased the charges away, okay? They couldn't figure out things. So 
the only thing that's going to be a problem for San Diego is its government. In the government there are the ones that are going to screw it up. If they were to leave San Diego alone and let it go on its virtues, one of the finest cities in the world, I mean, it would be fine. But, you know, if they just don't screw it up. But they've been screwing it up for years. They can't help themselves, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm seeing these, uh, these, these home runs that we're having great with the Padres now. A couple of them getting out of the park. And I thought to myself, if that hits a homeless person... There will be riots in the street, and they will <laughs> shut the entire city down. The it, we could go bankrupt on a homer by one of the Padres just because it hits a homeless person because they're right there next to the stadium. I, I just I uh, that worries me. That was the first yeah. thought I saw it go out. I said it's going to hit a homeless person, and that's going to cause <laughs> World War Three here on San Diego. Yeah, yeah, Justin, did. very well could be, very well could be. So. Folks, if you want to have a conversation, I have an Ask Me series that I'll send you a video showing what these subjects are about. What is the perfect investment? What do you do about inflation in the future? How much time do you have? I'll ask the questions. You get a hold of me by going to financialthoughtdoctor.com. Spell it all out, financialthoughtdoctor.com. And there's a place there to say, hey, I want to get in touch with you, Dave. Call me, email me, do whatever. Or call me, 619-548-0965. It's a conversation, folks. you got to start with a conversation. It isn't that I've got the answer because i got some special product like gold, annuities, real estate, or stocks, bonds, all that. It requires a strategy that incorporates everything. And you've got to use everything to retire comfortably today. And that's what I teach people how to do, Justin. Dave, thank you so much for that time and the advice there. You guys can find him, financialthoughtdoctor.com. Dave, coming with us from Arizona. So glad to be with you. Uh, Justin Hart in for Andrea Kay. We'll see you on the other side there. I got Jennifer Say coming up in just a bit. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. AK, Dynamite in a Dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. I mentioned in 1985 how I was singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl between the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. I admitted later in the program that it was me and 300 other kids doing it. So not quite, you know, Whitney Houston. But this other person, thousands of miles away, 1985, my good friend Jennifer Say was doing something else solo that was much, much more credible and incredible. Jennifer Say, welcome to the program. What happened in 1985 again? In 1985, I went to the Goodwill Games, the very first one, which was like a rogue-style Olympic competition. I competed for Team USA. Um, 
Oh, no, I'm getting the competitions wrong, Justin. <laughs> I went to the World Championships. Gosh, it's getting so distant. I went to the World Championships um, competing for Team USA, and on my final event out of eight events, I broke my femur on the world stage. That was exciting. But was- we managed to uh, place in the top six as Team USA, which at the time was quite a feat. It was quite the feat. And then uh, you would go on to become a champion at one point, yes? I did. So when I broke my femur, which, as you can imagine, is a pretty devastating injury. Ouch. Um, and pre- pretty unpleasant to witness. Um, you know, everybody thought I was done forever. It, it looked pretty bad. And nine months later, I came back and uh, came to the USA Championships and won. I was, uh, I was the U.S. champion in 1986. And of course, since that time, you had a couple kids. You moved to San Francisco. Uh, your your incredible husband Dan, who I loved to death, and you guys were there in the thick of it. I'm from the Bay Area, uh, and I saw my home my hometown melting all around because of terrible COVID policies. You went on to an incredible corporate career where you were brand president, chief marketing officer, and otherwise working yourself up in one of the great companies there in San Francisco, Levi Strauss. And when you put to the people there, hey, why don't we work to try to end these policies which are really hurting our kids? They gave you the thumb and said, be quiet. Tell us a bit about what happened there. Yeah, absolutely. I had worked, I started at Levi's in 1999 as an entry-level marketing assistant. I worked my way all the way up the ladder. In 2013, I became the chief marketing officer. I held that post for eight years, helped the company to a successful IPO. I was promoted to brand president, which is the job that's sort of considered next in line for CEO. Um, helped us kind of emerge from all the horrific COVID policies in a really strong way. You know, the brand came back strong. Um, but in March of 2020, right from the beginning, um, I think I met you somewhere around that time because there weren't very many of us. I was pretty outspoken um, on social media, but I also appeared on local news in San Francisco, attended school board meetings and wrote op-eds. Um, I was outspoken about all the restrictions to children and how harmful they would be. And, you know, ultimately, we've learned that was absolutely the case, the learning loss and the mental health impacts and absenteeism, et cetera. And for two years, I had an internal battle at the company. They told me I couldn't say these things, despite the fact that they were sending their own children to $60,000 a year in-person private schools. And I said, I'm going to say them (laughs) just because I work here doesn't mean I'm not a not a citizen. And my kids did attend the public schools in San Francisco. And ultimately, in January of 2022, I was told that I needed to leave, that there was no place for me anymore in the company. You wrote and this I, book. Yeah, you wanted yeah. to write this book. Tell yeah. us about the Levi's Unbutton. I love the subtitle, The Woke Mob Took My Job But Gave Me My Voice. Yeah, I mean, it's a memoir. It's not just about COVID. It's about my climb up the ladder at, at Levi's, which was not always easy, you know, coming up as a woman in corporate America in the 90s and 2000s. Um, but I stuck with it, and I loved the brand. I loved the product. And I just kept going, you know. I kept my head down and did good work. And certainly part of the book covers that. Um, the second part really begins with my dissenting on COVID, but also is an analysis of what I would call woke capitalism. And, you know, ultimately... COVID restrictions and, you know, being pro-lockdown and pro-closure became a very 
woke far left policy. You had to support it or else you were an evil, all right, racist <laughs> lunatic. And I didn't support it. And despite the fact that I, you know, I, I, I have been of the left my whole life, um, I saw these policies for what they were, which was harmful and illiberal. And I couldn't not speak out because uh, principle, the principle of it mattered more to me than party affiliation. And, and that was unacceptable. And my husband and I were probably the only two in San Francisco willing to say these things. And we were we were smeared, you know, and I was dragged at work and called every horrible name you could be called. And ultimately, like I said, I lost my job, but I did not accept their offer of severance. I chose instead uh, because I would have had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And I chose instead to quit so that I could keep my voice and talk to folks like you and, and write the book. Um, but there's so much in the book that's you know relevant to what we see happening now. Cause like I said, it's not just a COVID rant. It really is just, uh, more so an analysis of, you know, companies adopting these far left policies, pretending to be activists. Yeah. And, and really and really it's 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 all you know, I know this sounds like a cynical take, but I'm telling you, this is true from the inside. Um, it's all a ploy to make money. There's nothing altruistic right. about it. Right. And a lot of it, as you and I know, I, I was a chief marketing officer of a telecom company in L.A. And, you know, I had, I had the same pressures as well, which I think pushed me out of my job, which is, you, you know, it's very much promised by these employees who really uh, they see their their job as their life. They want it to reflect <laughs> that. And so when you see something like Bud Light or you see something like Target and some of the things they've been thinking, uh, I've got one more. I don't know if you've heard this one yet. This one is from the North Face. We have clip five there, Noah. Let me see if we got that there. This one's a... Hi, it's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. And today, I'm here with the North Face. We are here to invite you to come out in nature with us. Wow, this is nice. We like to call this little tour the Summer of Pride. This tour has everything. Hiking. Uh, So you have to picture this. I don't know if you've seen this, but this person is made up in perhaps the biggest cliche of a... Uh, of of a crossdresser, and she has a mu- she he he they have a mustache, and, and they're basically pushing this LGBT. I thought it was a parody, but you can right. find them on the page there. It, what what is going on? How do they think after like the Bud Light thing? This helps them. Well. It's a great question. You know, I think part of it, I mean, the woke washing, as I would call it, has just, it's gone too far. And, you know, they pushed the envelope and they pushed and pushed and people finally said, no, thank you with Bud, Bud Light. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting that it's a big, broad reach brand like Bud Light, which is really kind of for everyone and is known for its humor and lightheartedness and kind of bringing people together. That's the line. That's where people drew the line. And their business continues to suffer. I think they hoped it would pass quickly, but I think last week they were down close to 25%. That's pretty significant. Um, And these other brands that keep moving forward with it, I, I mean, I think part of it is they're not agile or responsive enough to respond in real time, these big companies. So they just kind of, it's in the pipeline. So they keep going and they're not responding to what is happening in the market. You know, the target goods had shipped already and they just kind of didn't think about it. They were on to next year. Um, And then they get the backlash. 
you know, and the sales associates are facing it and they're scrambling to make it right. And I, I don't think they can make it right at this point. And I, I don't know why companies aren't um, sort of retrenching in the boardroom and going, okay, let's get back to broad reach marketing focused on product. Let's get back to normie capitalism. That's what I call it in yeah. my book. Well, you and I both know that there is something to be said about getting above the noise, but I don't think this is the noise they're trying to get above with. You had Target who uh, is removing <laughs> items from uh, a, a, an artist, for example, who does design elements like Satan respects pronouns. Now, they didn't sell that in yeah. the Target store, but they sell something too queer for here. And then as this mom makes her way through the store, she sees a little onesie for her toddler uh, that says pride. It's like, why do we need yeah. that? And we know that Target is actually reaching out to a bunch of folks yeah. down below trying to uh, get them to, to quell off this. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, here, yeah, they are exactly on their sort of weekly store manager calls. They're telling them to pull back. Um, look, it used to be, and you know this as a as a chief marketing officer, a target audience. It used to be had to be big enough to be commercially viable, meaning it, it was a big enough percentage of the population that if those people bought the goods, it was meaningful to the business. Now they don't seem to care about that because how many trans women looking for bathing suits that they can tuck into are shopping at Target. I mean, it's like three. And I, I, I if that, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they produce very, very small numbers of this. So it wasn't a meaningful commercial opportunity. So what they're doing is voicing a set of values and politics on people and shaming them into accepting it. And if they don't want to accept it, then they shame them once more and they call them horrible racists. But you know, they, they say it's about inclusivity, but that's not what it is. It's about marketing the brand through polarizing politics. And people just said when it comes to gender ideology, it's enough. I, I don't believe that sex is assigned at birth. I believe it is observed. I think these stereotypical representations of women are mm -hmm. offensive. And I don't want I don't want to. I'm not aligned with your values. Here's the thing, Justin. These brands, it's a commercial calculation. They're going, if I align with my customers' values, they'll like me and they'll buy more stuff. Right. The consumer is saying, I'm not aligned, so I don't want to buy you. Yeah. It's a fair response. It's a totally right. fair response. Right, it is, it is. Now, Jennifer, stay with us after the break. Uh, we're going to talk about what can be done, not necessarily to fix the woke stuff, but everything else we went through. I want to talk to you about some real solutions and maybe talk about how you talk about this with families. You and I both know what that means with our really diverse families that we have here. Justin Hardy in for Andrea Kay. Jennifer Stay is still with us. Stay with through the through the break. Thanks. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea Kay Show on the Answer San Diego. Today, a thousand came out or something, some fairly vast number. Oh, I want to see the ones that what I really would like to see that we have to see the 33,000. Can you imagine? Remember, she said, I think it was for her wedding, the wedding of Chelsea. And what? it was for yoga classes. 33,000 emails. What is Noah playing? It's a lot of yoga. A lot of yoga. What's that? <laughs> Just playing a laugh for you. I love that. That's great. Jennifer, Jennifer Say is with us. Jennifer wrote yes. the book uh, uh, Levi's Unbuttoned, and you should go get that. It's uh, really quite the read. I, I think actually it's one of my favorite books to come out from the pandemic. Uh, it's a it's it's a great narrative of your story uh, from A to Z. Uh, but here's the problem: like 
where where do we go from here? You and I both come from uh, really interesting families. Uh, I've got eight kids. Uh, five are mine. Two is so it? Wait, no, six are mine. <laughs> Sorry, three three are ours, and two are my wife's. And so it's a Brady Bunch type of scenario. You've got uh, stepkids and otherwise. And and uh, tell me real quick. What, the 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 type of impact it had on them was pretty dramatic from college age kids down to grade school, right? Yeah, I have four kids. I birthed them all um, to two uh, with my now husband, and he has the two steps. There's there's a very wide age range there. So I have twenty two, twenty eight, and six. So as COVID was happening, you know, I had one across every age group, right? I had one in college who came home. I had one in high school who did school from his bedroom. Um, I had one starting kindergarten who started kindergarten on Zoom and one in preschool who she was three years old and, you know, had spent, by the time she was five, had spent half her life in a mask. So, you know, I thought across the board in terms of the impact. It was tough. What what do we do on these things? Like, if, if we had a magic wand to put together some type of policy, some some one little nugget, if we if you could basically create one federal law, what would it be to help quell what happened before? Oh gosh, I would eliminate public health as an entity. I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I know there's people that want to um, kind of rebuild them, and I know what I just said is is perhaps unrealistic, but they need to be cut off at I mean they they can't have that kind of power. Right? They can't. They they just can't. I mean public health wielded the power of of tyrants. The fact that they could keep my toddler daughter who was in diapers at the beginning of all this, you know, in a mask for close to three years. Um, that that my oldest child missed half of college, my second oldest missed half of high school. Like these are milestones, these are experiences these kids won't get back. They they can't do that. And not only well they can, they did. Um but you were painted as, you know, demonic and as a murderer and a racist if you challenged or questioned, even right. in the politest way possible. And I've always been sort of diplomatic and polite about it. Um, it didn't matter. Uh, and then, you know, you think about what that does to the kids who were suffering. And we were pretty lucky. My kids came out okay. And my advocacy was never just about my children. But think about what that does to a child. If they're suffering and they're lonely and they're depressed, but they're told you're a bad person if you want normalcy. You're selfish right. and you don't care if grandma dies. So then they're dealing with shame. I, I mean, are we surprised that there's this, you know, catastrophic mental health disaster happening with young people? Not at all. I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I will tell you, you know, I moved out of California. I live in Denver now because I don't trust Gavin Newsom and that state not to do exactly the same thing all over again. So I think you have to live in a place that protected our individual rights and freedoms. Um, and then you have to vote. But, you know, for me, anyone who limited freedom, kept schools closed, closed houses of worship, which I don't even attend, but I found that egregious. <laughs> um, anyone like that would never have 
yeah, and, vote for me ever again. And then you and I had means where we could help our kids in some way to make this happen. Uh, and, and, you know, you have a, obviously have an indomitable spirit that can come back from a broken femur. So that went to your kids. But imagine the people who didn't have that resolve, who never sort of grew up with that sort of determination and certainly didn't have the means going through COVID. That must have been just dreadful. And I know you know some of those people. You've met some of those people. I have. I'm making a documentary film now. I mean, I knew some before, but I'm making a film now about the impact to kids. And, you know, it was always so clear to me, and I think you as well, Justin, that not everybody had it as good as we did. And we still suffered. I mean, even kids that had it had it really good um, couldn't really get through the loneliness and isolation. You know, they still suffered the mental health impact. They still did not engage with school. They still got the message that they were inessential and school didn't matter, which is why absenteeism is so high right now. But it was never hard to imagine low-income children in, you know, one-bedroom apartments with large families and parents out all day at hourly wage jobs. That was hard to imagine. That's exactly what was happening. Those kids dropped out. Um, some of them disengaged and they haven't yet reengaged. And that's, again, why we're seeing, you know, the terrible test scores and the right. high absentee rates. And, you know, there's even kids in, in, in our film um, that are, you know, middle to even upper income kids. But the depression and the loneliness, I mean, we have one family in the film that lost a child to suicide. Mm. So, you know, no one was safe, really, from the impacts. We're humans. We need to be around yeah. other people. No, it's absolutely true. Now, Jennifer is also uh, a documentary filmmaker. She was one of the producers of Athlete A. We, we, I think you can still find that on Netflix, right? Yeah, you can. It's, it'll be there forever, I think. Award-winning <laughs> show, and then you have this new thing coming up. Do we have a name yet for the documentary, and what's going to come up? Are you ready to reveal that yet, or tell us what's going on? Uh, yeah, it's called Generation COVID. Um, we're done filming and we're starting to edit. So uh, the film looks really beautiful. I think it's good timing. I think there's more openness to it, you know, to the message now. And really, we just want the kids to tell their stories. And I, I, I think it's really hard for me to imagine that people, even if they were proponents of school closures and lockdowns, that they can hear the stories from the mouths of these kids, teenagers who lost so much, lost so many opportunities. Um, I can't imagine that they're not going to have some degree of empathy. Right. I exactly. Hope. Exactly. Well, <laughs> Jennifer, hope. Jennifer, thank you so much. Where can people find your stuff? Uh, Substack at Jennifer Say. My last name is S E Y, and and I'm on Twitter. Those are the main places, and then my book on Amazon. Say hello to Dan. We love Mots. We will talk I to will. you thanks soon. For me. Okay. Thanks, Dan. All right. Love you lots, Jennifer. Hang in there, folks. Stay with us. We got one more segment before we close out for the night. I'm here tomorrow night, though, too, and Friday. Andrea K, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. I can't tell you how much I dislike that bumper. Not the music, but the thing about the donut. Because I get to this last moment... And your body's going, pull in the reserves, the light is did on. Did you eat 5 o'clock? That, well, you know, I did not today, and that was my fault. I usually go down, they have these nice vending machines downstairs. They do. I, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, because I, I work at the building next door usually, right? So I go downstairs, and I usually get myself a little thing of the tuna and crackers. 
And then I get myself also one of the guayara. That's like my, my poison when I drink it, right? And then I also get the wasabi nuts. Ooh, but, I haven't had those yet. Oh, but here's the crazy thing, because I'll, 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 I'll time this perfectly. I'll get the tuna. I use the six crackers that are in the tuna. And then I take the wasabi, because there's some tuna left. I pour the nuts into the little tin there. Wasabi nuts with tuna fish. It's fantastic. Oh, that sounds spectacular. Honey, I know you're listening. That is our dinner tomorrow night. I'm making you wasabi nuts and tuna fish sandwiches. No, no, really. But uh, I, I want to talk about something else because uh, uh, after that joke, my, my job as a husband might be in jeopardy. But uh, the other jobs that are in jeopardy are the ones from artificial intelligence. That's that's real stuff, right? We talked about how, you know, if you're like a stenographer at, uh, at your job, you know, for uh, in a courtroom, your job is probably going away in the next few Unless years. Unless you're a very artistic one. Maybe. Add, add lots of fluffy words. That's true. But also, you, you noted to me, Noah, Spotify now has something where they're going to produce AI to help people make ads, but cloning other people's voices. Yeah, Famous this is celebrities. scary. I mean, for anybody that's in radio or podcasting. So Spotify is exploring AI tools that are going to help mimic the voices of different podcast hosts to target ads. I love that. Now, you and I both know before the week is out, we'll probably hear from AI Justin at some point. Uh, those of you long listeners to my show on Sunday know that I, I bring him every now and then. Uh, and that's, you know, when, when we talk about... Hey, as long as there's no singularity. Okay? That's right. Well, we, we talk about phoning it in. I'm talking about texting it in. I could just text my my whole show in run it through this thing and Noah would be sitting you know he'd be looking at just basically an empty mic but i would still be there it would be crazy but yeah they 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 estimate that two thirds of current jobs will have some exposure to ai automation 300 million full time jobs globally could be exposed to automation. I mean, if you're if you're a safe light repair, safe light well, you're if you're one of those repair guys on windshields, your job is probably safe. But if you're in marketing, for example, that automation is going to go crazy. Now, I'll give you an example here. So, my daughter, who is, well, I have five daughters and one son. Oh, no, sorry, I've got I've got five daughters. I have two stepdaughters, and then I have one son. And so one of them in there is my 25-year-old daughter, and, and she's really cute and fun. And so we decided she's a great artist. So we decided to start a podcast. Uh, and we wanted to know it was going to be on artificial intelligence. So we said, how are we going to, what are we going to call it? So what do I do? I go to ChatGPT, our newest friend. So I asked the AI and say, you are a prime marketing expert because that's how you make this thing. You got to tell it what you want it to be at that moment. I said, we are starting a show. Kind of a podcast thing. It's a father-daughter, sometimes a son show. And we're doing some clever stuff with artificial intelligence. And with you, ChatGPT, can you give us some ideas for the title of the show? Our names are Justin Hart and my daughter, and uh, I want to see what you have in mind. It says, hello, it's great to hear about your exciting new project. They're always very enthusiastic in AI. Here are a few title ideas. The Heart to Heart Chatcast. The Heartbeat. Conversations Unplugged. The Heart of Connection. You know, Heart to Heart, like I grew up, you know, everyone bugged me about that show in the 80s, right? Like you go, well, yeah, Hearts Unscripted, a family vlog. And we're like, okay, okay. I, I kind of stopped. I said, look, feel free to mix and match these ideas as inspiration. But I, I want to say, can you give us something that's a few other ones? Maybe not something that's, you know, 
quite so unoriginal. He, he didn't take that offense. He says, certainly, given that your show focuses on AI and technology, here are some more ideas to consider. The Heart Tech Chronicles. Eh. Hearts and minds exploring AI together. Eh. Wired hearts, a tech-savvy fit. No. And then it came out with a line. It paused. I remember it pausing, and it wrote out, artificial intelligence. I think I can beat it. What? The heartfelt singularity. <laughs> That's probably where it's headed. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, but they actually have a paper that just came out, and they call these grief bots, okay? Oh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the grief bots, basically, if a loved one passes away, my wife is cringing right now. She when I when I when I trained well we'll talk about that later but she she's just going no 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 but the grief bots if if a loved one passes on you could instill an automation bot with sort of the rapport and the style of that person and so you could ask him questions oh I'm missing you today I'm out on the lake with my second husband. Oh, sorry about that. And then, you know, the person could reply, it's a grief bot. But it's it's very, very popular in Asia, apparently. That's a big thing. In fact, ChatGPT is so huge in Asia right now, you have no idea. Like, every corner store is opening up ChatGPT stuff. It's going to be a revolution over there. But those those grief bots are really interesting. And, and I'm wondering if we can, you know, see more things come to peace. So artificial intelligence is the name of our Would podcast. you use a grief bot? I don't know that I'd use a, a grief bot per se. I'd have to think about that. But I, I would use it, you know, if I if I had to, like, uh, you know, answer questions that I really don't want to bother with, right? Not with you, honey. No, with you, I, I everything I give you, all those sweet texts and everything else, those are coming straight from me. But, you know, to people that I got to keep happy, but I really don't care about, you know, some coworkers or, you know, maybe uh, other kids that I don't see a lot, I got to keep them. I'd love to automate some of that task, right? Dad, the printer's not working. Have you tried rebooting the printer and pressing the print button on the back of see the See if screen? it is plugged in. That's right. That's right. Well, we'll we'll see where that comes to. I I feel pretty good about the future though. I feel I feel my job is pretty solid. Although I'll tell you, I went to chat and I said, "Hey, rewrite this little segment in my style." And I thought it was going to be all astute and professional and it came back and it says, "Well, well, well. This is the Justin Hart show." Oh no, is that what I sound like? It might be. And I got to take a good hard look at that. Chat GPT and AI will reveal you for your true self. Justin Hart in for the Andrea K show all week, tomorrow and Friday. Thanks for joining us. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.